0: We're going to start out in Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. And then I'm going to be in John 15. If you want to go to John 15 and, be, and get ahead of me, you can. That's where I'm going to be, spend most of the morning in John chapter 15. But I'm going to start out in Ephesians 2 because I'm going to read something that uh, everybody in this room needs to know. You know, if I was to drive all this way from Brownwood, and some of y'all have drove, some of y'all have drove an hour and a half, two hours to get here this morning, and if you was to drive all this way and not hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ, I'd be doing a disservice to you. I, I don't come up here to, just for a social gathering or a, a, just to get together, we, even though we have good gatherings here, we have good fellowship here, we have, I have good friends here. But I come up here for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And I come up here because Jesus Christ, when He was resurrected, when He came out of that grave and He says, I am the resurrection, and He comes up and shows and proves that He is, and He has that power of resurrection and then he he shows that he has eternal life and when he says i can give you eternal life i believe a man like that Amen. there's lots of people who claim different things they claim they can do something for you they claim they can do that for you but only jesus christ he showed you he can't do it and then he said He'll give it to you and the best thing about god's love is it's all by grace you're not gonna work your way in. You're not gonna to go to church to go to heaven. You're not gonna read your Bible to go to heaven. You're not gonna do some kind of work to go to heaven. You're gonna to have to just believe and take Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior. Now what does that mean pastor? What that means is, is you're gonna to have to bow your head and you're gonna to have to pray and ask Jesus Christ to save you and you do that believing he can hear you because you're not praying to a dead savior. You're not praying to a philosophy. You're not praying to an idea. You're not praying to a religion. You're not praying to a pastor. You're not praying to a church. You're not praying to a Pope. You're praying to a risen, living Savior in Jesus Christ. So when you pray and say, Jesus, will you you save me? I'm a rotten sinner. I'm going to hell. Will you save me? He hears you and He saves you. Not because of any work that you're going to do or any work that you could do. Only because He's given you grace. It's an unmerited favor. It's a free gift. And that's what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9, and 10 tells us. And I want to read it to you so you don't take my word for it. Let's read the Bible. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. Amen. I basically summed up that verse with what I just said. You're gonna, you're gonna, God's going to give you grace. You're going to believe, and He's going to give it to you. It's a gift. It's a free gift of eternal life. And God is not an ending giver. He's not going to give it to you and then take it away. Amen. You're born again. Verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. So you're not, the reason why God doesn't want you working your way into heaven is because you'll get into heaven, and you know how we are. We'll get into heaven and say, look what I've done. I, I, I did all this for the Lord, and I need to be up here. No, you're not going to be boasting about what you've done for the Lord. When you get up into heaven, you're going to be saying, it's all because of that man right there, Jesus Christ, and not because of me. Amen. Now, that's the gospel message in a nutshell. But I know a lot of y'all are saved. A lot of y'all are Christians. I know a lot of people are Christians that come in on Easter Sunday. And if you're, if you're lost in here and you don't know Jesus Christ, you're not for sure if you're going to heaven or hell, at the end of this sermon I'm going to give an invitation, and that's your chance to come on down the aisle and to get saved. That's exactly how I did it. That's how I did it when I was about 17 years old. I've never been the same. And I know I'm saved. That's how you get saved. But this message I'm preaching is mainly for Christians. And it has to do with the very... Most of us know verses 8 and 9. Amen? But what I'm preaching on this morning, is, in, it starts in verse 10, and I'm going to hear what Jesus Christ has to say about it. But look at verse 10. Why are you saved? Why are you a born-again Christian? For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You're a born-again believer, Christian. You're supposed to be doing good works. That's why you're created in Christ Jesus, and you're not just supposed to be talking about them. Into verse ten, you're ordained not just to be w- talking about it, but to be walking. Amen. We're not, we're brothers and sisters. It's time for us to stop talking the talk, going on Facebook, going on, uh, uh, going at work, and talking about God. And we bring up God. We, we we're serving God with our lips, and we're not serving God with our actions. Amen. We're not serving. God knows our heart, and it's high time for us to wake up and start working, and, and not only just talking the talk, but start walking the walk. And we're only going to be able to do that in Jesus Christ, and that's where this message is going. So turn to John fifteen. Turn the Gospel to John fifteen. Jesus, before he was crucified, before he's cru- right before he's crucified, he got his disciples together. In John Gospel of John chapter fifteen verse one, he got all of his disciples together. And he gathered them together and he goes, now listen to me. And he's going to tell them how they're going to live this. He's been teaching them this. Now he's going to show them what they must do. And this is for believers in Jesus Christ. In John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus Christ turns to him and he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth fruit. More fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Heavenly Father, Lord, you know we're just sinners. Lord, you know that we can't do anything on ourselves. We're going to need you to fill us with your Holy Spirit, Father God, to do what you want us to do. And Father, I just pray as we we come to these words, Lord, this Scripture, Lord, your very words out of this book, Lord God, as we read them and as we hear them, Father, that you'll work on our heart. Father, I just ask and pray, Lord, that you'll build a hedge of protection around every heart in this room, Lord, that the devil can't come in and take that seed, Father. And Lord, I just pray that there's somebody I need the sound of my voice that's never received Jesus Christ as the Lord or saved. They never took that free gift, Father. They don't know if they're going to go to heaven or hell if they were to die tonight, Lord. I just pray, Father, that when we give the invitation, Lord, you'll move on them, Father. I know you're not behind me right now, Lord. I know you're right behind them you love them, Lord, and you want want to see them up in heaven. And Father, I want to thank you for everybody that's represented here this morning. Lord, a special blessing on everyone. Some of them have drove so far, Lord God, just to come in here and to hear your words, Lord God. I pray it not be me, Lord. I pray it be you. Father, I just pray you, Jesus Christ, will be glorified and lifted up in every way. And I'm praying this in the name of my and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to preach this morning on uh, abiding in Jesus Christ, abiding in Jesus Christ, what God expects from a Christian. What does God expect from you? Okay, you're saved, amen. Praise the Lord, we're saved, and we're saved because of that resurrection power that Jesus Christ came out of that grave. We know He's the one, we've received Him. We know we're born again, we're in the family of God. What now? Well, Jesus Christ says, I am the true vine. So when he says, I am the true vine, you know what that says? That says there must be a false vine. Amen. Amen. He says, I'm the true vine. And Deuteronomy says, their rock is not like our rock. Deuteronomy says, their rock is not like our rock. We got the rock, capital R, the rock of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says, I am the true vine. That means there must be a false vine. So you need to make sure you're not hooked up to the wrong vine. Any vine outside of Jesus Christ, any vine in the world is a false vine. Jesus Christ is the only true vine. Got that? So what I'm trying to say in so many words is don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. It says there in verse 1, I am the true vine and my Father is the husbandman. Jesus Christ in type is trying to show you something you can see out in the world every day. He says, hey, I'm a vine, and I'm the true vine. And God the Father, He's a husbandman. Now, what's a husbandman? A husbandman was basically what we would call nowadays a gardener. It was His job to come along and to take the fruit off the vine. So Jesus Christ wants to tell you, hey, I'm a true vine. God is a husbandman. Look at verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, He taketh away. Uh oh. So, what you have here is you have God is expecting you to bear some fruit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Every branch of me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. God expects fruit, and it's all about bearing fruit for a Christian. And that's what God expects. When God comes down and looks down on my life, He doesn't look to see what I'm doing or how I'm doing it. He wants to say, is there any fruit on that tree? See, when you're a born-again believer, now you're a fruit tree. And He's saying, I want to see some fruit off that tree. You know what's interesting about fruit off a tree? That fruit falls off that tree and it creates more trees. Are you witnessing for Jesus Christ? Are you telling other people about Jesus Christ? Are you trying to create other fruit trees for the Lord God? Yes. He's looking. He goes along he's looking for fruit. And he says, where's the fruit? Look, keep your hand here, but look at Luke. Look at Luke. He's looking for fruit, brothers and sisters. Look at Luke chapter 13. Keep your hand here because we're going to come back. But I'm going to show you this parable because it's right in line with what Jesus Christ is saying. Luke chapter 13, verse 6. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be one right in front of you. Luke chapter 13, verse 6. Jesus tells a parable that is right in line with this. Look at what Jesus says. "He He spake also this parable. Talking about Jesus spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and he sought fruit thereon and found none. That sounds exactly what Jesus just said. There's a, there's, a, there's a tree, the father wants some fruit, he goes to this tree, hey, there's no fruit. Verse 7, Then said, to, then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, and top, that's the Holy Spirit. And top, so you have, you have Jesus is the vine, the dresser is the Holy Spirit, and the husbandman, or the gardener, is God the Father. So he goes unto the dresser of the vineyard. Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit. Question has the Lord been coming into your life year after year after year seeking fruit off this tree and not finding none? That should be scary if he's finding none. Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why covereth it the ground? What use are you? That's what he's saying. We're a fruit tree. If you're not producing fruit, God the Father comes along and says, I keep looking and I keep looking and I keep looking and there's no fruit. What use is this Christian to me? There's no fruit there. He said, just cut it down. It's just cumbering the ground. You're just taking up space. Look what the dresser says, which is in top the Holy Spirit. Verse 8. And he answered and said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also. Give me one year till I shall dig about it and dung it. Now, if you got another Bible version, I guarantee you they didn't update that word in the modern common-day English. He says, let's put some manure around it. And let's let's dig it up, let's put some manure around it and see if we can get some fruit out of it. So I'm here to tell you this morning, there might be some stuff happening in your life. And you're like, why is God doing this to me? Why is God bringing all this manure into my life? He's trying to get you to wake up and get some fruit. Do you understand God has made you, created you for good works, Ephesians 2.10. You're not created to sit around and do nothing. You're not created to be on God's welfare plan. You're created to do some good works for God, and He expects it from us. He expects us to work. He expects us to produce some fruit. And He comes along, and the Holy Spirit says, Hey, wait, 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 let me, let me just dig around, let me bring some stuff into their life. It's going to really shake them up. And I'm, I, I'll see if I can get some fruit off of it. Verse 9, and it shall bear fruit well. Excuse me, and if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that, thou shalt cut it down. Just take them out. Turn back to John 15. So, it's a somber warning to us as Christians that God is not wanting us just to hang out and not do nothing for Him. He wants us to produce fruit. Let me tell you something. The devil has his vine out there, and it's producing a lot of fruit. Lots of fruit. I can't turn on the TV. I can't turn on the radio. I can, that I don't see the devil and his fruit just everywhere. And he's producing it by bucket loads of fruit. bushel baskets of fruit the devil's produced. And the world has all this fruit to eat of. And when the world gets tired of this fruit that the devil's giving him, we need to have the fruit available, that he, the world that can have something new, something true, something real, something that gives you eternal life. And what the world sees is nothing but the devil's fruit. Guys, that's why we need to be a light. We need, we need to be with that branch of the true vine and get with him and produce the fruit so we can be an alternative. You didn't have to come to church this morning. There's other things you could have done. Walmart stays open 24 hours a day. Now, if you're crazy enough to go to Walmart, I don't know about you. You need to be in church. You didn't have to be here. You could have slept in. Amen? But we're, we're, you got an alternative. There's Jesus Christ and He's got a church and He's trying to keep it open for you. He's trying to have a place that produces fruit. He wants you to be a part of that. He wants you producing fruit. He wants you to be an alternative. Forget the world. What has the world done for you? Nothing. Why do you care so much about politics? Why do you care so much about what's going on on Yahoo News or Google News or Fox News or CNN? Why do you care? They can all go to hell. That's where they're going. You need to be over here producing fruit. Let's be a vine. Let's be a vineyard. Let's produce fruit. Let's give them something. Something new. something, Something that's fresh. Something that only God can do through us. And that's what we're looking at. Back in John 15. Back in John 15 you might say, verse 3, John 15, 3, you might say, now, and the Bible says, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So he goes on and he says, my father's looking for fruit. Some of you are not bearing fruit. If you bear, if you bear fruit, he says, I'm going to shake you up and make you bear more fruit. So sometimes you might be doing everything for the Lord, right? And the Lord will come in and still dung around you because he wants to produce more fruit. He wants to get as much out of you as he can. And He has a right to expect that. We are created by Him. Amen? He's our Creator. But you might say, well, I'm a rotten tree. You might say, I'm a rotten tree. I can't bear fruit. If you only knew my life, you knew the kind of sin I have in my life. I'm a thorn bush. I can't produce any fruit anybody wants. I'm like a thorn bush. I'm like an old hackberry tree. I'm like an old trash tree. You might have that, you might have that saying in you. But what Jesus Christ is trying to say there in verse 3, says, Now ye are clean through the Word. There's Peter, an old fisherman, a cussing fisherman that cussed like a sailor. And God was able to use Peter. And he says, you're, you're, I'm able to use you because you're clean through the word. You're clean through the words of God. Jesus Christ is cleaning you through the words that you're reading. Jesus said to the, to, to the, to the Father, John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So you say, well, I can't, you got to do it through this word. Brothers and sisters, you've got to keep this Word in you. This Word is what's going to cleanse you. This Word of God is what's going to clean you up. Make sure you read it every day. That's like fertilizing your fruit tree every day. Look at verse 4. Now let's get into the crux of it. Let's get into into what, this is what we need to know this morning. Verse 4, abide in me. Jesus Christ says, abide in me and I in you. What does abide mean? Abide means to dwell or to rest, to dwell or to just rest in Jesus. You want to dwell in Jesus Christ, and hey, you want Jesus Christ to dwell in you. Amen. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch, can I bear fruit of itself except ye it abide in the vine? No more can ye except ye abide in me. Amen. Verse five: I am the vine; ye are the branches. What he's saying is this: This is not your fruit. You're abiding in me. I'm abiding in you. You're not the vine. And you're not the fruit. You're just a little branch. You're, you're the branch that holds the fruit. It's not your fruit. It's my fruit. That's what he's saying there. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. The bran- you don't bear fruit, of your, bear fruit of your own self. You know what kind of fruit you bear? It's fruit of the flesh. I don't want to bear that kind of fruit. That bad fruit that produces adultery and fornication and idolatry and envy and wrath and murder and lust and hatred and lies and unforgiveness—all that's me. When my flesh bears fruit, that's the kind of fruit you're going to see Brother Keegan produce. But when you see something godly, some kind of godly fruit hang off this tree, it's not Brother Keegan anymore. It's Jesus Christ in me. That's Him abiding in me, using me as a branch. Do you see what I'm saying? It doesn't matter if you're a, a, a hackberry tree or a thorn, but it don't matter what kind of tree you are. God's just using you to produce fruit. It do not matter what size you are, how tall, how short, how young, how old. He's going to use you. It's His job to produce fruit. You just got to be usable. You got to be abiding in Him. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine. You're the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. I got a question for you this morning. And we're going to look at it real quick. Why should we be abiding in Christ? Why should we? What's the benefits of abiding? You know, when you abide in the world, there's all kinds of benefits. If you abide in the world and you go through the world system, you tend to get richer. You tend to have a whole lot more friends, so-called friends. So-called friends. You tend to have the luxury of not being ridiculed, not being mocked, not being made fun of. You tend to have pleasure in sin for a season. There's some pleasures there, amen, or we wouldn't be doing that sin. So when you're abiding in the world, there's some different... But what are the benefits of abiding in Christ? Why should we abide in Christ? Well, the first reason is, simply put, it's found in verses 4 and 5, and I just read them to you. So we can produce fruit. Because God, I've said it a hundred times, here's 101. God said He expects fruit from you. So if you want God to show up in your life and look for some fruit, you better have some fruit. Well, you better be doing it in Jesus Christ. It's abiding in Christ. Now, if you had not caught on to what I'm saying here, here it is. You cannot produce fruit. You're just a branch. This fruit must be Jesus Christ working through you. Amen. Through the Holy Spirit. Because you abide in Him. He's in you. He produces the fruit. No long, it's no longer you. Who gets the glory? Not you. When somebody comes to me and says, Oh, Brother Keegan, this, that, and another, Praise God. Praise the Lord. It's not me. Uh, my little sister's here and she can tell you everything wrong about me. And probably do it in five minutes flat. <laughs> And she'd be the first one to tell you that there ain't nothing special about that idiot. And I've got some guys here that knew me when I was a little kid, 9, 10, 10 years old. And I think they just come out here to see if, if what was true is true. This crazy nut is preaching, you know. <laughs> Man, I can't believe this. Well, they know me, and they've known me, and they know there's, yeah, it's the Lord. Amen, Amen. the Lord gets the glory. This fruit is not you. It's Jesus Christ in you. The Bible tells us that for sure in Philippians. And I'm going to turn to Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to read this verse to you. Philippians chapter 1 verse 11. Paul tells us, Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. How are these fruits of righteousness? They're by Jesus Christ. Unto the glory and praise of God. Beautiful. Write that down. Philippians 1.11. Mark that in your Bible. Put a, it shows you it's not my fruit. It's the, these fruits of righteousness that I have, they're by, underline it, B-Y, by Jesus Christ. Why? For the glory of God and the praise of God. Mm-hmm. Philippians 1.11. You say, well, I, I, I don't know, Brother Keegan, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can produce any fruit. I, if you could see, uh, you know, I, I've got these problems in my life. We all have problems. Well, i got these sins in my life. We all have sins. It's amazing what God can do with a sinner. When you see Peter, Peter denied Jesus Christ three times. Peter forsook the Lord. And then what happens later on with Peter? There's Peter full of the Holy Spirit. You crucified our Savior. Man ready to die for Jesus. What's changed? Peter is the same sinner that he was. The difference is he's full of the Holy Spirit now. And if you're a born-again believer, you've got the Holy Spirit. You need to get full of it. You need to pray, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me with your Holy-. I was listening to this preacher, and I've had this experience. This preacher was preaching. And he said, I, I, was, I worked at this mechanic shop. And he said, all day long, I was working at this mechanic shop, and I was praying. Just Every time I got a chance, Brother Daryl, don't do this, but every time I got a chance, he said, fill me with your Holy Spirit, God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, God. Fill he just prayed that all day long. And he worked across from this outdoor restaurant. where well, they had a restaurant that had all this big outdoor seating area. He said, at lunchtime, I was so full of the Holy Spirit. He, he, I ran over there and got on this bench, and all these people said, there, you need to go to heaven. You need, to, you need Jesus Christ. He was just screaming and hollering and everything. He goes, I'll never pray that prayer again. <laughs> he embarrassed himself, you know. You get so full of it. You get so full of it. You get so full of it. It just comes out. Je- Jesus just comes out of you. I mean, you just, start, you just start getting full of it and for not long, you know what you, may, you might actually do in church? You might actually say, amen. amen. And say, so, you know, oh, hope nobody hears me. You might actually say, praise the Lord. You might actually raise your hand and testimony. You There's no telling what happened to you when the Holy Spirit starts really getting a hold of you. And you might actually just embarrass yourself and tell somebody about Jesus Christ. But those works are by Jesus Christ. And you say, well, I can't do it. Well, Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, everybody knows the verse. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Amen, Amen. you can do it. That, that, That verse, 4.13, isn't just for football players. You know, yeah, amen. Every time you see sports... they'll have them on, it's a Philippians, and praise the Lord for that. But it's not just for you to be able to shoot a basket or throw throw a football or to hit a baseball. It's for a Christian to live the Christian life that they cannot do. I can't do it, but Christ in me, He can do anything. Praise the Lord for that. Back in John chapter 15, back in John chapter 15. You know, uh, I was a, reading about this missionary and he was going to China and he's just about to get off the boat. This is the late 1800s and he's about to get off the boat and the sailor that was on the boat with him, he said, do you think you can uh, change and make an an impression on the people of China? And that guy turned to that sailor, that missionary says, I can't make an impression on the people in China, but God can. And what he was saying is, it's not me, it's God working through me. So stop worrying about saying, I can't do it. I, I, don't know. I know you can't do it. <laughs> you know how many times my wife has to drag me out and say, uh, you've got to go to church today. It's Sunday. I, don't, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. The point is, is that the Lord can do it through you if you're allowing. And He's looking for fruit. He's looking for fruit, guys. Another reason why, another reason why you want to be abiding in Christ is look at verse 6 and 7. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. See, you're just nothing, worth nothing. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. You're good for nothing. Now, doctrinally speaking, guys, you've got to study your Bible. You've got to understand it. Doctrinally speaking, who, got, who, who threw who in the fire? Men, not angels. So don't doctrinally say, oh, you'll go to hell if you don't abide fruit. That's not what that says. It says, men, what Jesus Christ is saying in top, he's saying that if you don't do anything for me, you don't produce any fruit, you're good for nothing. You're good for nothing. Why should I abide in Christ? Here's the next one, verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. We abide in Christ for answered prayer. Abide in Christ for answered prayer. You shall ask what you will, and it should be done unto you. Now, if it's the Lord's will, He'll do it. But you understand that if you're a fruit tree that's producing a lot of fruit, and you ask the husbandman for something, don't you think he's more willing to give it to you? You know, Jimmy Johnson, the coach for the Cowboys, I know some of y'all are about to boo in his. The coach for the Cowboys back in the early 90s, late 80s, he cut a guy on the field because he had asthma, and they made a big deal about it, because he had asthma, and, and, and Jimmy Johnson, get out of here, this ain't an asthma field, and it's cut the guy. Well, then you have somebody like Michael Irvin, who he, he got popped for cocaine, was with, with, with a bunch of strippers. Michael Irvin was doing all this awful, not, stupid stuff, and they asked Jimmy Johnson, why don't you cut him? He said, because he's producing He's not that nobody that I can just make an example of. You're talking about Michael. He's a, he's a producer. See, when you're doing something for the Lord and you're producing something for the Lord, it's a lot harder for Him just to get rid of you. It's a lot harder for Him to just ignore you. Say, this is a good fruit tree. Whatever this fruit tree wants, I think I'm going to see if I can get it for him." We abide in Christ and produce fruit for Christ, through Christ, with Christ through us, because it helps us to get prayers answered. You know what else it helps? Look at verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. Now, if you're in here and you don't know Jesus Christ, say, how much does the Lord love me? I'll tell you how much the Lord loved me. I can only tell you how much the Lord loved me, and I can't imagine He wouldn't love you actually more than me if you knew my history. The Lord loved me enough to where I'm down and out, sorry, broken down, sinner, sitting on a curb. Nobody loves me. I feel like I've been forsaken by everybody. And my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, He came by and He lifted me up. He said, everything's going to be okay. I love you. And I looked up and I said, I want you as my Lord and Savior. That's how much He loves you. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you, that look, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Why should we abide in Jesus Christ? We're for full joy. We abide in Christ not just for the, to, to produce fruit, and not just to have prayers answered, but brothers and sisters, we abide in Jesus Christ, because that's where our full joy is. Look, I have spoken to you that my joy might be remain in you and that your joy might be full. Do you want to have a joyful Christian life? Abide in Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. You'll be a happy Christian. So I know some of y'all have already asked yourself this question. Okay, I know I should be abiding in Christ. I know I should be allowing Him to use me to produce this fruit. The question is, how can I abide in Christ? Right? I mean, the question is, okay, I see all the wonderful things about abiding in Christ and how I need to be doing that, but how do I do that? How do I do that? Well, the answer is found in the same scripture. Turn back to verse 7. Turn back to verse 7. It's found in the same set of scriptures. Jesus says in verse 7, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you. So the first thing you need to know is we abide in him by keeping his words. To me, when I, hear Christians who, when I hear Christians say, well, you know, the, I, I hear a Christian say, well, I know the Bible says thus and thus, but I believe in thus and thus. To me, that's not a good Christian. For one thing, that might not even be a true Christian. Amen. I don't care if you like that or not. When I hear somebody who takes the Bible, and, it, says, it says they're a Christian, but they take the Bible and throw it away and start living by their own ideas, that's not a Christian at all. Because a Christian... Loves the word of God. Puts all his authority on the words of God. Because they know it's all about the words of God. And Jesus Christ says there in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you. How, do you, how does his words abide in you? By, by reading them and by believing them. You read them and you believe them and he'll abide with you. See, you're, you're in John 15. Just turn a page over to verse 23. John 14, 23. Look at John Fourteen 23. I'm showing you scripture because I want to back up what I'm preaching this morning. I want you to understand that this is biblical. And you leave this church, you might not like the preacher. You might not like the church. You might not like the people. But you're going to have to admit that was in the word of God. Amen. It, that's where we're putting the authority, right? Verse 23. Look what Jesus said to his disciples before this. In chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus answered said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, I mean, I know Jesus, I know what the Bible says. I know Jesus said this, but I I think really, ooh. You're showing me you really don't love the Lord. Because if you love the Lord, this would be very, very important to you. Jesus said it there. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. Now notice, and we, who? The Father and Jesus Christ, we will come unto Him and make our abode with Him. When you have a love for God's words, Jesus says, "I'll come in and the Father will come in and we're going to abide with you. That's how you abide in Christ, and you get Him to abide in you is through these words. You see the Trinity going on there? It says we. See, look up at verse 16. John 14:16. And Jesus says, "I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter." That's the Holy Spirit. That he made what? He may abide with you for a little while. Uh 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 forever. <laughs> you got to notice it. You got to underline it. You got to put a star next to it. He didn't say he's going to abide with you for a little while, and then when he gets tired of all your nonsense, he's going to leave. He says, "No, I'll abide with you forever." you got this stuff, now why aren't you using it? you got it. It's in you. He's in you. The Father's in you. Jesus Christ is in you. Verse 16, the Holy Spirit's in you, the Trinity. They're all three working in you. And that's how you abide. Verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 10. Let's look at another reason. And we're closing up. John chapter 15, verse 10. Look back at verse 10. Here's another way you can abide in Christ. Because we're asking, how shall we abide in Christ? How can we do it? Look at verse, verse uh, yeah, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Amen. So you not only keep his words, you got to keep his commandments. you got to keep his commandments. Uh, what are his commandments, Brother Keegan? Verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. <laughs> Ow, I don't like that one. <laughs> I like some of y'all, but I sure don't want to love you. (laughs) But that's not not my opinion. Right? Who cares what Keegan thinks? What did Jesus Christ say? He says, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Did I just not tell you that when I was down and out, nobody cared for me, he came along and loved on me? So I need to have a heart when I see somebody who's down and out, has nobody that feels like they've been forsaken, I need to love on them. Does Jesus Christ not put up with all our foolishness? Does Jesus Christ not put up with all our laziness, all our hypocrisy, all our gossiping, all our lying, all our hateful attitudes, all our, all our uh, grumpiness? Does not Jesus Christ put up with all that off us? Well, yes, he does. So I think we need to put up with it off each other. It's hard to do though, isn't it? Because <laughs> none of y'all died for me. So it's right. I love Jesus because he did so much for me. Some of y'all probably wouldn't even buy me a Coke. <laughs> I'm just picking on you guys. This is a true story. I was working at, uh, at work, and there's this guy there, and he was talking about, you know how people do, when I win the lottery, when I win the lottery, because that was like there was a billion dollar or whatever at that time, it was, when I win the lottery, I'm coming in here and I'm buying everybody in here a car, a new car. You know, everybody in the break room, yay, you know. And, of course, me being an idiot, I say, no, you won't. And look at me, yeah, I will, Kikin, I promise I'll buy you a new car. I said, you won't buy me a Coke right now. And you tell me, you tell me you won't buy me a Coke right now, but you're going to buy me a new car? Get out of town. I know you. But that person that buys me a Coke and that loves on me right now, if they had that kind of money, I believe that they would buy me a new car. Amen, amen, amen. (laughs) I don't care if you like that or not. If you're the kind of person that loves somebody when, they're, when, they're, when they don't have any reason to be loved on, you're going you're to love no matter what. If you're willing to give, if you've got a little bit of money in your back pocket and you give it to, to somebody, you'll give somebody something when you have a lot of money in your back pocket. All money does is just enhances you, shows what you really are. If you're a cheapskate, when you get rich, you're going to keep being a bigger, richer cheapskate. If you're a giver, when you get rich, you'll be a bigger giver. Amen. Amen. Some of us need to wake up. We, we're, we're fooling ourselves, and we're thinking that the Lord loves us, and the Lord's going to take care of us, and He does love you, but there's, you've got to give Him a reason to keep you around. Amen. And we need to abide in Him. Look at uh, 1 John chapter 2. I'm closing here, guys. I know it's getting kind of late. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. So we need to abide in Him by keeping His words. We abide in Him by keeping His commandments. One of the hardest scriptures for me to read is found in Luke 6. And Jesus Christ says in Luke 6, He says this. Jesus Christ says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I tell you to do? Mm, 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 mm. I don't like that one. Oh Lord, this, and oh the Lord's so good, the Lord's so good. And the Lord says, Why are you calling me Lord and you don't do the things I do, I tell you to do? We're calling him Lord. We need to follow his commandments. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He that saith, He abideth in Him, ought Himself also to walk, even as He walked. Amen. Amen. That's a good verse. Let me read it again. He that saith, He abideth in Him. Oh, I abide in Christ, Brother Keegan. I abide in Christ. Ought himself. Also so to walk, even as He walked. We talked about this in Sunday school. You need to stop talking the talk and start walking the walk. Amen. You need to start talking. stop talking about it. You, we do enough talking, amen. Let's start walking it. Amen. You ought to walk like He walked. The Lord was forgiving. The Lord was caring. The Lord was compassionate to the poor, to the sinner. He loved everybody He ran into. He called out religious fakers. He called them out to their face. He called, them, he called them foxes. He called them hypocrites. The Lord was zealous for the Lord. The Lord was zealous for the Father. He, we should walk like the Lord walked. The Lord wasn't afraid to be a religious nut. Some of y'all are afraid of that. The wor- I think the worst thing you could be called, some of y'all think, the worst thing I could be called is a religious nut. You're one of them Bible thumpers. Praise the Lord I am. I'm a Bible thumper. Because I'm saying, that's what the authority is. There's the Word of God. And they're lifting up a science book or something. There's my God. Or they're lifting up a book with philosophy. There's my God. Or they're lifting up a Playboy magazine. There's my God. Or they're lifting up Money Weekly. There's my God. And I'm over here saying, hey, this is my God. And they're all, you're just a religious nut. (laughs) We're all religious nuts. You just had not admitted to it yet. Let me show you one more, and it's 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. So after saying all that, there's one more thing I want to, one more reason why I want to show you to abide in Christ. Found in verse 28, First, 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, in closing. We're closing it up. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in Him. Abide in Jesus Christ, that... When he shall appear, when Jesus Christ shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Amen. Woo! Why do we need to abide in Christ so we can be a? We, when we see him, we can say, "Lord, I was trying to do the best I could. You were doing it through me, and I appreciate you, Lord. I was trying to let you use me. Uh, here I am, Father. I've been doing the best I could." And Jesus Christ looked down. At you well done, my good and faithful servant. But how many? I would, the, the scariest thing is for us to be living in the world and producing fruit for the world and then boom, come up hither. We hear that and we're raptured out of here and then we're standing before Jesus Christ. And I think there's some of us in here that would have to bow our heads in shame. Lord, I wasn't doing nothing for you. I wasn't allowing you to use me, Lord. I'm, I'm sorry. See, this should be real to you. The resurrection of Jesus Christ should be very evidently real to you. Because when we come in here celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what that means is where other religions have their saviors that are dead, we have a savior that could literally walk in those back doors. And I'm here to tell you, as Jesus Christ, as God manifests in the flesh, he's hearing everything I'm saying right now. And he's listening to everything you're thinking. So we should be abiding in him, serving him, because we never know when we might have to wake up, and there he is. And I want to say, Lord, man, it's so good to see you. I tried, Lord, I tried. Because he's a very merciful God. I'd hate to wake up and see Jesus and then bow my head say, Lord. Listen, you can't take the eyes of Jesus looking on you. Remember I told you that Peter Peter denied Jesus Christ three times? You know what caused Peter to run off? It said that the cock crowed and he looked at Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ looked at him. And Jesus Christ gave him that look, like I told you. And Jesus Christ is bound up, he's bleeding, and he looks over at Peter. And Peter sees the eyes of his Savior. And the Bible says that Peter turned and went and wept bitterly. He couldn't take it. He couldn't take it. Hey, the Lord loves you. The Lord wants you to abide in Him. We should be abiding in Him. Hey, Next time, next Easter, if the Lord doesn't come back, you should say, you know what, this year I've been a lot more fruitful of a Christian than I was last year. It don't matter how much fruit you're producing, you should say, I'm a lot more fruitful. Thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy in our lives, Lord God. Father, I just pray if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ, Lord, as we give the invitation, they'll come on down here, Lord God, and just get saved. And, Father, I know there's so, so many people out here, Father, Lord, that need, to, need you right now, Father. I ask you to move on their heart, Lord. Father, I ask you, through, the, through your Holy Spirit, tell them how much you love them, how much you care for them, Lord God. You're there with them, Lord, and in their weakness, that's when you're the strongest, Father. Lord, I ask you to give them grace to bear what they're going through, Lord God. I want to thank you for these people, Lord. I ask a special blessing on each one of them, Father. Lord, I ask you, Lord, to help them produce fruit through you, Lord. Some of them are scared. Some of them don't know what to do, Lord God. Show it to them through your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Just help them. To be a better Christian for your sake, Lord, not for their sake, not for the church's sake, not for anybody else's, Lord, just for you because you're so sweet and you're so loving. Thank you for being risen. Thank you for being alive. Thank you for your resurrection, Lord, that you're listening to me right now as I pray to you. And Father, I love you. I love you, love you, love you, Lord, and I can't love you enough. Thank you for loving me first. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, it's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. upon him